Vaikuru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaikuru Ji Ki Fateh. Ji Anasanga Ji, welcome to The Breakfast Show, live from London studio. Aaj ta jada din hai guys, a very special day for all of us. It's Tan Tan Siri Guru Nanak Dev Ji's Gurubhav, which we are all going to be celebrating as, our, as a family, as a Parawad. So I would like to wish you all a very happy Gurubhav for Guru Nanak Dev Ji's special day today. And as it's such a special day, we have a very special guest with us in the studio by the name of Satpal Viji from Nanak Nam. I get very happy when Baji's here because they bring such inspirational vichar to us. We learn a lot and as a Parvad once again, stay with us, stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the interview that we're going to be bringing you and not really even an interview, probably more of a general chat with Baji, just to find out a bit more about Guru Nanak Devji's Gurbhav. Guru Nanak Dev Ji themselves. So let me go over and introduce Viji. Vaikuji Ka Khalsa, Vaikuji Ki Fateh. Baji, feel so humbled and blessed that the same time some of that to come in, you know, to the studio today. Um, and a very happy Gurubhav to you and your family. Thank you very much. Happy Gurubhav to you as well. Yeah, I'm really glad to be back here. We had a really um, positive response um, at Nanak Nam when I, when I was here in the show, I think back in sort of July and August yeah. uh, of this year. Uh, a lot of people sort of commented on, on how uh, useful the, the conversation we were having around sort of death and grief. So um, yeah, I'm really glad to be back. Thank you for inviting me. No, thank you for coming. So today is a very different topic. Obviously, Guru Nanak Dev Ji is Gurbhav today. So just really, I'd like, the, I guess the first question I'd like to ask, because, you know, I, I get it. I, this is what some of the non-Sikhs would not really understand themselves. You know, what does that mean? What does Gurbhav mean? So if we break the words down, uh, the Purab is just basically a, a special occasion or, or, or a day to remember something. Uh, Gurpurab is a day that we use to remember the Gurus and the Gurus' lives. Um, and I think it's just a really important uh, day to remember and reflect upon what it is that Guru Nanak Dev Ji brought to mankind, what was his contribution to spiritual thinking and just to our everyday day-to-day -day lives. So in a way, it's kind of just a day to remember how much Guru Nanak Dev Ji means to us and how much the world has changed because of his presence. And Baji, you know on that note what you said about what Guru Nanak Dev Ji has brought to us, could we touch on maybe, you know, some of the, I guess, the key things or the relevant things that Jedi Sadi Sangata, they know already, but some of the things that were really important that we should remember or at least look into a bit more if we don't know much about it? It's really interesting because I think Guru Nanak Dev Ji clearly means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, for me personally, I think what Guru Nanak Dev Ji did was he fundamentally changed how people accessed spirituality and spiritual thinking. We have to kind of almost set the scene and think about what the time was like during the Guru's time and when Guru Nanak Dev Ji came into the world. There was massive discrimination between the social classes and Guru Nanak Dev Ji, if we remember nothing else, is that we remember that Guru Nanak Dev Ji just completely broke all those social hierarchy down and all those barriers down. So he just made no distinction between gender, between caste, between age, anyone and everyone was able to access spiritual thinking and to make spirituality a part of their life and to make bhakti and worship and meditation a part of their life and there was no barriers to it and I think that's such a huge thing for the time and what he was doing and I think one of the other things was that the way Guru Nanak Dev Ji did that is that he really simplified spiritual thinking he didn't try to make it complicated and there was a lot of practices and rituals and things that were involved and he stripped a lot of that back and in, he said actually we can just do meditation in the most simplest forms in our day-to-day -day lives okay and that leads on to my next question what is the simplest form what was that that Guru Nanak Dev Ji made simple that we should 
try to understand how we can do it simply because in today's time you hear so many different complications of you should be doing this, you should be doing that. What is the simplest way? So I think Guru Nanak Dev Ji was in my eyes a, a huge uh, revolutionary and what he was doing was he was trying to find a way that broke the barriers that the common man had. So I see Guru Nanak Dev Ji as the guru for the common man, the everyday man, not for the priests, not for the elitist class or anything like that. And if you look at how spirituality and, and, and Bhakti and Taram was being um, taught at the time, it was only people who had a real privileged life that had the time, that had the effort that could go out and, and, and do these sorts of things. So either you had to be highly educated and you had to learn all this kind of spiritual knowledge and you had to be able to read and write and go out there and do all these kind of uh, amazing research into what the old Sanskrit languages and stuff were saying. So Guruji said, no, you, you don't need to do that. You, know, you don't need an ancient language. So Guruji brings the common man's language. Mm. So that's one of the ways he did it. And I think we can talk about that. What's the simplest way today? Well, yeah. I would say that, that, again, don't hold on to the barriers of language. If you speak English or Chinese or French or whatever it is, then use that as your language for your Pagdi. And I, that's the message that I take away from Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And then, Pagdi, okay, today, in today's time as well, probably back in the time of my parents as well, you know, photos, for example, if we could just touch on this a little bit. So we see many photos of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, all very different from, you know, some that obviously the, the normal ones that we see in a day-to-day -day basis, but some of them are very different. What's the, I guess, the right way for me to probably ask this is what's the situation with photos? Because some people will actually do, like Namaskar, two photos as well. And from what I believe and what I know, that we should only be doing that to Tan Tan Siri Guru Granth Sahib Ji. But also with the photo side, you know, I've, there's different messages of, yes, you should have them, no, you shouldn't have them. You know, I guess, what more could you maybe elaborate on that or help us to understand so, you know, we can get it a little bit. I think I'm, I'm certainly not one of these people that would say to remove all the photos from your house okay. because um, it's nice to be able to have a visual reminder. As human beings um, we work very much with, with visual stimulus so for us to have a visual image of the person that we, we, we look towards, like just, just imagine for a moment that there was not a single painting of Guru Nanak Dev Ji in existence. When, when you said Guru Nanak Dev Ji, what image would come in your mind? You, you would be a little bit lost. And so our minds kind of need a little bit of that image. So I'm not against having uh, photos in the house, but I think what we need to uh, help people with is to help them understand that actually worshipping those images is futile. So I, I, I like to think that, you know, sometimes you could be thinking a particular way and your eye just catches a photo of Guru Nanak Dev Ji that happens to be in your house and maybe that would make you change the way you think and you think, well, what would my Guru do in this, in this situation? So I think they serve a purpose, mm -hmm. but the point at which you start putting sort of a, a mala or a har around it and you start doing tuf and you start doing arti around the photos, I think at that point you've allowed yourself to just worship a photo and you're basically saying as long as I worship this photo I don't need to read the Gurbani and I don't need to read the message of the Guru I'm just going to praise that and I think the Gurus would have would have stood up against that and actually said no that the words that we're saying is more important than the way that we physically look and so that's where I would say that actually the 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 the, the puja the worship that you have to be doing is on the message of what the Guru is saying yeah no that makes sense and so really ultimately our center point should always be Dantan Siri Guru Granth Sahib Ji. Absolutely. You know. So then the next question, what are the relevance of Guruji's teachings today? 
There's so many. It's really interesting um, on YouTube. So the work that for those who are sort of not familiar with with, with my work, on, I, I do a lot of videos in English on on YouTube um, around. Um, the, the spiritual message of Gurbani in English, so trying to make it as relevant as possible. We just completed uploading a series of lectures on the Japji Sahib where there must be around 50 hours of teachings about the entire Japji Sahib. And what's really interesting is we've gone through quite a lot of detail wherever the Guru has mentioned a particular word to say, well, what, is it, what does it mean in our life? And I think what, uh, what I've managed to do there is quite different to what, what we've seen in the past, which is to take every single word of Gurbani and not explain it from a historical perspective, but actually explain it from our personal perspective. And what do we do with that message? So the reason for me mentioning that is because if we look at the Japji Sahib, there is so many messages that you would almost need entire shows just to cover entire concepts. But if I could, if I could just summarize in terms of the relevance of what Guru Nanak Dev Ji was talking about, I think at the very fundamental level, we cannot forget this message of Ik, this message of oneness. Uh, and it's something that I'm quite passionate about and I talk quite a lot about in, in the videos that I do online. Um, but, but what it basically means is that we're connected. Mm -hmm. All of us, all of humanity are connected and that's a very relevant message even today because if you look at the media and things like that, the media are really pushing this idea that uh, we have to somehow look at the differences between other people. So the media is very good at labeling people and saying those are those people or those are terrorists or those are people from those nationalities. And you know, let's look at the Brexit argument, for example. It's all about our British values and our Britishness. And actually what, what Guru Nanak Ji was saying, well, these are actually temporary things. There's something that connects all of us, even male and female, old and young. There's something which is that kind of energy that's within all of us, the aliveness, you can say. So I think Guru Nanak Dev Ji's core message was to look at that which unites all of us rather than that which separates all of us. And that goes to animals, to plants, to everything. There is something that connects all of us. And that's a really relevant message, I think. It really is. And actually, Baji, today, being Gurbab, you know, I really like the oneness, and I know you like talking about it so as well. And, and actually, I really like, I like that subject of the whole oneness because it, it looks at anyone, regardless of your faith, caste, creed, anything. So today, being Gurbab, what could, like, I see, what can we take away? Or what should we maybe be doing if, say, for example, before we've never really thought of one teaching of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, and today, you know, we realize, okay, the oneness is very important. What could we take away with us today, or what should we at least be trying to do to work towards having the oneness? So I think this is where Guru Nanak Dev Ji really comes into his element. Some of the historical books that looked at um, what the, what, you know how we had a lot of um, uh, Western scholars that went to India um, around the 1700s, the 1800s, and they were just kind of surveying what the kind of religious beliefs and religious thoughts were. And some of the scholars during those times have said that there was something about Guru Nanak Dev Ji which made him different from some of the other Bhagats and things like we have Kabirji and things like that. And what they've said was that we had a lot of people talking the same spiritual message, but nobody seemed to get the gravitas and actually get the social movement to actually make the world follow this thing. So what, what does Guru Nanak Dev Ji do? What's his magic formula that he does which makes him different to other people? And I think what Guruji does is that he takes spiritual message, which let's be honest, we've had spiritual preachers for thousands of years and a lot of them saying the same thing. But what Guru Nanak Dev Ji does is that he actually shows us how to express that in the world. 
So he just doesn't believe in having spiritual knowledge and, and meditating in a cave. He's like, actually, your meditation is of no use if you're not going to go out there and actually serve the world. And I think that's the message that we can take today, which was how do we take our spiritual philosophy, our way of living, and make it relevant in the world? How are we helping other people? If you wanted to, to celebrate Guru Nanak Dev Ji's message, I think the best way is to say, well, how am I helping the rest of the world? What am I doing to break discrimination, gender discrimination? Uh, what am I doing to help people who are less fortunate than me? What am I doing in that sense? I think that's literally the best way that you can show Guru Nanak Dev Ji's impact on your life by actually having an impact on other people's lives. Yeah, no, that's amazing and, and that really makes sense and it makes you think about some of the things that you could do to give back like your seva or being, you know, being able to actually make a difference in someone's life. Yeah. So then, Baji, the other question, right, is this. Now, you know, Gurdwab, obviously, today, 4th of November, but next year, it will be a different day. And the year after, that will be a different day. What is the situation with date changing? Because, you know, before, I mean, I remember, probably not so long ago, but I remember there used to be a particular date, and that was the date that we used to stick by, am I correct? But it changes year on year, so it, what's the history of that, if you, if, you, if you are able to share anything on what you know? I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a, a history expert, but I, from my understanding is that, um, on the simplest term, is in the West, uh, the calendar that we follow is based around the sun. So the year that we have is the number of days that it takes for the Earth to travel all around uh, the sun, 365 days. That's called the solar calendar. In India, we've always had a lunar calendar, which is the number of days it takes for the moon to become from a new moon to a full moon and the full moon back to a new moon again. So those days are never going to tally up with the Western calendar. So w that's why the years Every year as we see the dates keep changing, what we're always saying is according to the Western calendar, the Eastern calendar keeps changing. Well, of course, because they're two different calendars. But in the old days, you, let's look at this from a very practical perspective. In the old days, how would you know when you didn't have a calendar system, how would you know what the date is? And the way Gurpurabs and any special occasion was generally always mentioned was like, oh, the moon is full. Okay, well, on this month, whenever you get the full moon, let's go and, and, and have our worship on that day. So it's a way for everyone to just agree. Okay, on the full moon of this month, we'll go and, and, and celebrate on that day. So it's a very simple way, whereas if you're looking at the sun, there's no real easy way to tell exactly what day of the month it is, whereas the lunar calendar is a very simple way that anyone, whether they're educated or not, can just look in the sky and understand roughly what date it is. What day it is. But then, Paji, how do we actually know the real... So obviously back in, you know, like our Sikhi Jadihegi goes way back. How do we actually know, okay, this was the date that Guru Nanak Dev Ji, the Janam Hoya Sega, or, you know, and if we look at all all of our 10 gurus, how do we know what the date actually was? Or, or will we ever know? Because this is a question for me, I mean, I'm not even sure, so how... Well, in a way, I think to some extent, as long as we all agree a particular date, it doesn't really matter what the exact date is. Now, I'll give you an example. I'm pretty sure that yourself and probably everyone watching this show, if they went and they asked their grandparents exactly the date that they were born, mm -hmm. they will honestly tell you in those days we didn't know. All they knew was that it happened to be in this year when there was a flood in that local town yeah. or, or it was the year after that certain event happened. So what they do is they're based the date that you were born based on the events that everyone seems to know. See if our own grandparents or our great grandparents certainly didn't know the exact date that they were born or even the exact year that they were born. Most grandparents won't, well the date that they have on their passport usually isn't the exact date. A lot of people have the 1st of January as their birthday because yeah. it was just never recorded. Now that's only we're 
talking about the last hundred years. We're talking about Guru Gobind Singh Ji, Guru Nanak Dev Ji, three, five hundred years ago. Um, so I think it almost doesn't make a difference. We're, we're not historians trying to find out the exact date. What we're trying to do is agree a day that we say, you know what, let's, let's get together and do vichar of Guru Nanak Dev Ji's Bani. Now there's another way of looking at that, which Gurbani actually says that every day is a Gurpurab if you do vichar of Gurbani. Okay. So, so in a way, it kind of throws this whole idea out that you have to celebrate Guru Nanak Dev Ji's birthday on this day. Mm -hmm. For me, every day when I read a Hukam Nama is a Gurpurab for me. Because I'm celebrating what the Guru is doing. I'm celebrating the greatness of my Guru because I'm wowed by it every day. Every day when I read a Hukam Nama and I sit and I think, what does this mean for me in my life? I'm like, wow, Guru, you're amazing. The words that you're saying are so relevant to me even now that every day becomes a bit of a Gurpurab. You know what, that makes, that makes a lot of sense and makes, actually makes me think of another question because nowadays we focus a lot around Gurbub and I feel that it's become very commercialised. I mean, if I look back to, say, recently for Bundy Shord in Darbar Sahib, there was thousands of pounds spent on flowers and fresh flowers as well that were brought in from another country. And in the time that I've been going to Darbar Sahib, you know, that's never happened. And yes, we see that they do fireworks, but it's changing and I'm noticing a massive change. You know, I feel it has become commercialised. Should it be, or maybe like you've just touched on, how every day should be good, Bob, really for us. Every day should be that, wow, you know, when, we, when we're reading our Bani, whether we're doing our meditation, you know, could you maybe enlighten us a bit more on what's changed or why has it changed? Or maybe what should we look at to maybe go back to the basics? Right? So I've kind of asked lots of things there, but yeah. I think you know what I'm trying to get at. I mean, if we look at, from our history, we see certainly from the first Guru up to the fifth Guru, uh, the Guru's living a very modest lifestyle. I mean, certainly Guru Nanak Dev Ji, when he wasn't traveling, he was back home tending to his farm. So he was a farmer essentially to look at. Um, but of course, he was the Guru of the world as well. Um, so we see the examples of living a very sort of humble lifestyle where there's no external show of any sort of greatness. But from the sixth Guru onwards, the political environment changes and the Guru decides that actually we're going to now hold our Darbar as an equivalent to a royal court. So the Guru actually starts wearing a lot of jewellery, the Guru starts holding a Darbar with ministers and having an army and people are coming and presenting gifts to them like they would be like a king. So we start seeing that the Guru doesn't have an issue with, with a lot of um, celebration and a lot of uh, external show. And in the same way, if we look at uh, Darbar Sahib, the word Darbar means a royal court. So Darbar Sahib is a royal court in a way. It's fine for, it, for there to be that sort of really sort of external show, but as long as it doesn't compromise your spirituality. And I think this is a question for the whole of the Sikh community, yeah. is to say, well, okay, we can do all these fireworks and we can have expensive gold work and clocks and all these sort of things. And, you know, I think they spent some millions of pounds just on getting some, some brand new clocks in there they and did. flowers and all these sorts of things. And, and I don't think there's a problem with that as long as it is in tandem with the spiritual work that we're doing. So we really have to question our Gurdwaras, are you spending lots of money and you're having a social impact? Are you actually doing good for, for externally? Is the amount of money that you're spending um, balanced with some of the other work that you do? Now, for example, a lot of these Gurdwaras in the UK, they're all registered charities. Now, certainly I know from, from, from Nanak Nam being a charity and from, from other charities that I've worked with, is that the supporters are actually very 
uh, meticulous about scrutinizing a charity and saying where are you spending your money because you're, spend you're spending our, our donations. Are we doing the same with the good dollars? Are we going back to them and saying the amount of money that you spent on your building funds are you doing the same for vichar? Are you doing the same for parchar? Are you doing it for making sure that the people in the immediate community are, are benefiting you? Because, because donors of other charities will say, well, if you're not doing that, if, you're, if your CEO is earning hundreds of thousand pounds and, and taking limousine rides everywhere, then well, we're no longer going to, do, going to donate to you. And I think we should, to some extent, hold our gurdwaras to the same standard because they're also registered charities. Yeah, I know that. And that's true. That's a really good way that you've put that. I like that. But then, Buddy, Barney, Jedi Hegia is impractical, right? Like for, so I, I've heard this where the, this saying of where you know it's okay to do your part, it's okay to do your it's okay to do all of that. It's great that you're doing it, but if you're not like that's under all you're doing that. But if on the outside you're not practically doing it or living the practical life of what Barney teaches us, then aren't we going wrong there? Because are we not supposed to do what we consume and take in? On the outside, we should be practically doing the principles of what maybe Guru Nanak Dev Ji taught us. Completely. I think we have to make a real distinction between how we do our certain practices and whether that's having an impact in our life. Is it actually changing the, the, the person that we are inside? So for me, let's look at Guru Nanak Dev Ji's top message, Kunji. which is, we've already talked about, we've touched upon oneness, probably the next important message is Naam, and then hukum. Those are like your top three. If anyone was to say, well, what does Guru Nanak Dev Ji teach? He teaches us oneness, he teaches us naam, and he teaches hukum. Now, hukum is a very practical thing. That's not an ethereal concept. That's just, are we accepting hukum at every moment? Do we accept reality? Do we accept the present moment? And I think this is where we need to always be reflecting on ourselves because vichar and koj are concepts that we need to be taking out of the Gurdwara and into our personal lives and saying, well, is this actually having an impact? Am I able to practice a, 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 a spiritual practice that actually impacts my everyday life? Am I accepting hukum? Am I looking at you when I'm talking to you and is there Naam Simran going on at the same time or is there a distraction going on in my mind at the same time? Am I getting angry at people? Look, I mean, these simple things like Kaam Krod Lob Mohankar you know, about your lust and your anger and your greed and your pride, those are very practical things. So this is the greatness of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, he wasn't just talking spiritual concepts. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the same is true of people who are actually doing the Bani on a regular basis, are we actually living that on our day-to-day -day basis? And that's just something that we have to become comfortable reflecting on ourselves. And one of the things I like to do, which is really practical, is that you can actually, at the end of every day, just take five minutes to sit and reflect upon your day and just think about how much calm did I have today? How much anger did I have today? How much Nam Simran did I do today? And just use that as a, as a way to think. I mean, we're not even, I'm not even talking about seva and helping anyone else. I'm just talking about, am I actually living what I'm doing? Otherwise, you've really got to question yourself, what's the point of me doing all this part? Yeah. If it's not actually having the impact on me, and if we're not willing to look at ourselves, and I think that's something a lot of people are scared to do, is they have to actually look at themselves and say, actually, I've got to face my demons. I've, I've got to deal with the fact that I'm, I'm always angry, or I'm always depressed, or I'm always really um, 
grumpy at other people or whatever it is or I'm, or I'm really sad at work like I've got to be able to think about my life and connect it back to the Guru's message otherwise we've just got this religious practice that we do on a Sunday and then there's just the real world that we have where we're not really marrying the two together and, and for me Guru Nanak Dev Ji is completely practical mm -hmm. the Guru's message is 100% practical and if it's not practical it's pointless yeah, no, I really love the way that you put that together, Baji, because it's true. Hukam and Jalanam Hega is so important, and we tend to sometimes bypass that and not really pay that much attention to it. But we've got less than a couple of minutes before we go to break. Before we go to break, I just want to ask you quickly on what you just said about Hukam. You know, Hukam, you know, some people watching may understand what that is, but some people, I don't know, some people can maybe change the interpretation of Hukam. And I think we've got one minute now left to break, so maybe we might need a bit more time on that. And I think actually we will come back after the break on that. But what I wanted to, I'll ask you now and then I'll, after the break, but hukam I want to talk a little bit more about because some people can change the interpretation. Hukam for me, I believe, is where whatever's written for you is going to happen. But some people change the interpretation of that to, oh no, but it isn't hukam. So actually after the break, if you don't mind, could we touch a bit more on that yep. and a bit yeah, more a on the NAM, the NAM side? So. Um, so you stay in tune, Baji, don't go anywhere, yeah? <laughs> so Sankaji, we're going to be going for a short break um, shortly. I just wanted to say before the break that there's an amazing exhibition that's going to be taking place today, which we will be showing you more details of after the break. Please stay with us. So Baji's here for the full hour today. So please, this is Jada Kapilio in the break. Have some bronte, or actually, maybe I might even talk a bit more about having something healthy. So maybe your five fruit and veg. But please join us back after the break. And once again, a very Happy Gurbog to you and your families. Vaiguji ka khalsa, Vaiguji ki fateh. Vaiguji ka khalsa, Vaiguji ki fateh. Sangaji, welcome back after the short break. And if the see just joined Gita, just want to let you know that we have a very special guest with us today who is by the name of Satbal Viji from Nanak Nam. Um, most of you probably will know who Viji is, but yes, they're here with us. We've already had half an hour with them and they're going to be joining us here for the second half as well. So please do stay tuned, do not go anywhere. Um, but before I go back to Baji, I'd just like to, first of all, actually, once again, would like to say happy Gurbab for Guru Nanak Devji, the Gurbab Aj Sarianu to all you and your families, wishing you all to be in Jardi Kala always and stay blessed. And the thought of the day is Nam Japna, Girth Kamai, Shakna, which I'm not going to be going into detail with much, but I'm going to speak to Baji about the thought of the day. But before we go back to Baji, I'd just like to announce um, today it's a very special day, one, because of Gurbab, but also there's a very special event that's taking place at Guru Manyo Granth from 2 o'clock until 6 p.m. today. It's a Sikh art exhibition. I'll get a poster hegger on the screen right now. This has all the details of the timings of where it's taking place, but I'll just give you a bit of, a, um, a bit of information about it. So it's a Sikh art exhibition that's being launched today on Guru Nanak Dev Ji's Gurbab. It's between the hours of 2 to 6 at Guru Manuel Granth in Salau and it's a must-attend exhibition because Ganwar Singh from Art of Punjab, it's all his artwork that's going to be shown there along with a lot of other things. So there's going to be activities there so please make sure that you do come, spread the word to your family and friends and also if you want any more information before you go there today you can go to www.withoutshapewithoutform um, but please do spread the word and please make sure that you attend with family and friends because it's so important for us to support such projects as a Parvard, we need to come together to help one another. So let's go back to Baji and speak to them a bit more about Gurnanik Devji as well as many other things. So Baji, firstly, 
thank you once again big big thank you that you know what you were here with us today and I can't believe half an hour how quickly that's gone and the next half an hour is going to whiz by so Min Benji here is going to stop talking so much but can I just quickly go back to obviously as we talked a little bit before the break about the concepts and it was about Hookham um, that if we could go, talk about that and then that will lead into my thought of the day probably because there's lots of other concepts of Guru Nanak Dev Ji but if you could just carry on from where you were with the yeah, Hukam side. Yeah, Guru Nanak Dev Ji's message of Hukam um, is such a important message and I don't think we've even understood what Guruji was trying to say um, when he was talking about Hukam. If we look at the first real mention of Hukam um, within Japji Sai, we're all familiar with the Bani. What Guruji is talking about is that he verse by talking about all of the methods that people use to enter into spirituality and, and to practice a spiritual practice. So Guruji talks about which is about external cleansing. Uh, he talks about silence meditation and going into living in a cave and just kind of sitting in silence. And then he talks about all of these methods and he talks about, he talks about fasting you know, and he even talks about the real academic scholars and he says, well, you know, so he's talking about all of the different ways that people think that they're being really spiritual. And he says, well, what's the real way of being spiritual? So Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, I'm going to present to you a new way of, 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 of being spiritual. And he says, present moment acceptance is the fundamental definition of spirituality. If you can't accept what God, Waheguru, Akal Purakh, the universe is doing at this very moment. If you can't accept it, then why are you praising him? Why are you praising some sort of God-like creature and saying you're amazing, you're great? But as soon as something happens that you're not happy with, you start saying, God, can you please change this mm -hmm. for me? Or can you please give me this? Or I really want to have that. Guru Nanak Vivji just completely throws that whole thinking out of the water. And he says, all of your spiritual practice is now an absolute waste because you've mm -hmm. said how great this, this king is. But then you're saying, well, I don't like what you're doing here, and I don't like what you're doing there. Please make sure you're telling the king what to change, which is really not the relationship between a king and a servant. So Guruji is saying that manana to accept at every moment, and this, this is probably the hardest thing to do on our day-to-day -day life. At every moment, when someone's being rude to you, when something is happening that you don't like, when life changes in a particular direction, at every moment for you to be able to say, the reason that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, the reason I'm struggling emotionally, the reason I've got fears, I've got anger, I've got anxiety issues, all come down to hukum, which is that I'm not able to accept. I'm resisting what the world is doing right now, and I need to understand that that's causing my own suffering. The reason I'm sad, the reason I'm angry or in pain, in some sort of emotional unease, is because I'm not able to accept hukum. It's such a huge thing for, for everyone to go and do some, some cause and, and, and just personal reflection on is, are you able to even comprehend what the Guru is, is trying to teach here. And Bhaji, you know Hukam then, for example, is that something, I know, okay, it's written, we know, we know that it's written for you, but is it something that can maybe not change, but you know Gismuth, for example, kind of similar to that, is it something that with the more good you do, the more good things you think, the more good things you say, could, or like, the more, I guess, Simran you do, or the more bad you do, basically all the good things that you do, could you change your Gismuth, which then means the hukam that's written for you, can that change? Because I've heard this from people. See, I, I take a very different view of, uh, of hukam. I think a lot of people, for me, everything that we talk about in Gurbani has to go back to ik. 
I mean, that's the whole point why Guru Nanak Dev Ji talks about that first. If it doesn't go back to Ik, you, 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 it's, it's the opposite of Ik, which is duality. And I've talked about that a little bit in, in, in previous shows, but certainly I talk a lot about it online. Um, so I think this idea that God has written a story for you and you're just living that out, I actually don't accept that way of looking at it. That everything that you're going to do is already planned. And I think a lot of people think about hukam means destiny. And I don't think hukam means destiny. I think right. hukam means reality. And the, the nature of reality is that it's constantly evolving. And to me, that's how I interpret Nanak Likyanal. Not that your whole story has been written out for you, which is what people like to think. Like, you know, the person that I'm going to marry that's already decided the number of kids I'm going to have and what job they're going to get and when they're going to die and when I'm going to die. All of those things are already pre-planned. Like, I'm just living out a destiny that's already happened. I just don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. For me, I see it, the universe as something that's unfolding. So. Hukam is that if I was to say something to you, it might have an impact in your life. And the impact that it has on your life means that that will now change the things that you do with your life. Or if I'm rude to you, or if I'm mean to you, that will have an impact on your life. And then you might go and be mean to someone else, and that will have an impact on their life. So I see Hukam as something nanak likyanal, which means it's continuously being written. Because Gurbani also talked about sabna likya vurikalam. Like there's, there's a continuous pen that that's writing the story of everything. So I think the world is being written, almost like a story that's being written at every moment. The, the thing is, can you accept that story? And now the question is, can you change that story is essentially what you've asked. Yeah. So I don't believe that there is any future thing that needs to be changed. Again, this is my own, my own interpretation from my own cause. But I think that we can obviously impact reality around us. So we can change things if they're in our control, but also those things are also limited. We're getting quite technical here, yeah. <laughs> but they're very limited. The change that you can have is also dependent on what understanding you've been given. And Guru talks about the understanding that you have has been given to you. So ultimately everything is the act of the oneness. And I can understand that, you know, I, I don't want to be losing people. and, and you know, I do encourage you to go have a look online. There's a lot more where we talk about this in detail yeah. on the Nanak Nam channel, where the universe is happening to itself. Right. And I think what, that's a really fundamental way of looking back at the oneness, which is there isn't a you and a me. There isn't a something me doing this to you. It's like God is doing it to God. And so in that sense, well, what needs to be changed then? Because everything is impacting the oneness itself. And hukam, I think, is a much bigger concept. But we, we started the show by saying how Guru Nanak Dev Ji made it simple for everyone. Yeah. And the, the way to keep it simple is to say that, am I able to accept reality? And I think we, are, we've even within our spiritual practice, have got into a habit where anything you want, want we say, oh, go do an ardas. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you, you know, you don't need to necessarily worry about whether it's right or wrong as long as you do an ardas. And we talk about things like, uh, it's like if you do it with a pure heart. All of these things have really crept in from Indian culture and Punjabi culture. There isn't really this whole idea that if you do something, if you ask really nicely to win the lottery, yeah. you know, the person who asks the nicest is going to get it, you know, because their ardas was stronger. That really isn't accepting reality. I don't think that's what Guru Nanak was talking about when he talked about accepting hukam. And that's really good because what you just said about the Irdas, because that's what happens when something, you want something, you're, you're wishing for that really, but shouldn't you really on a day-to-day -day basis be actually wishing, keep me in your charan and keep me on your path and I accept your hukam, Let correct? me accept your hukam, that should be our Irdas. I, I always say a, a simple thing, if everyone 
If everyone's ardas was answered, we'd all be lottery winners. Because the reality is none of us really want to go to work. We all just want to be sitting at home and, in, and sitting on a beach somewhere enjoying, <laughs> our, enjoying our billions. Um, so why aren't we all millionaires? Why aren't we all lottery winners? Because the reality is Ardas doesn't work in that way. We're not all just meant to go and ask. And if we ask nicely, um, then eventually our number's going to come up and we're going to get what we want. It just, I, I think that's an oversimplification of what the Guru's trying to say. And then, Padi, that leads on to this, this then, really. If we did, if we were winners of the lottery, let's just say we did an Ardas, we won the lottery, wouldn't we then be in Maya Dadesh? That actually we wouldn't remember him. You know the ultimate one, the giver, the one who gives us the gifts, the one who gives us everything, the one that sat us here today, the one that, you know, our breath, everything basically, we would forget him because wouldn't we be completely in jail with the punched jawed, right? Completely. So, so if we look at um, uh, the evening um, uh, verses that we read in the Reras, we generally start with Surah Salok Malapala, Dukhdaru Sukhrobaya. And that specifically says that your, your, your happiness is the reason for you to forget. Okay, that's yeah? what it means. Happiness okay. is a reason for you to forget. So Sukh is a disease. And your sadness is a medicine because the point at which you're at your lowest point is the point at which you, you remember and you go to the Gurdwara and you're das. But when you go and, and, and you earn your millions and stuff, you might go to the Gurdwara and say like a thank you, but it doesn't become an everyday thing. It's like, well, I've gone and I've said my thank you. I've done an account part because I've had, you know, success in my business or whatever, or I've had a, a, a child being born. I'll go do my das. But we, we kind of use those ways to absolve ourselves of the responsibility of doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. And Guru's actually saying, actually, the more pleasure you get, the more materialism that you surround yourself with you're going to forget more and more you're actually going to be lost in Maya exactly as you said and, yeah. and Maya can be anything Maya isn't millions you know Maya isn't just a lot of money okay it's like Maya actually translates to physical matter so what? so our body is also Maya okay yeah? talk so, to us so for example if you if you're going to spend all of your life uh, in the gym Okay. And you're going to be building your, you're going to become a bodybuilder. That's become your Maya. Because you believe that something which isn't going to go with you is of ultimate importance. Right. And so this is where Guru Nanak Dev Ji talks a lot about something that is temporary. And he keeps referring back to forget the temporary, go to the such. And such means permanent. Mm -hmm. So don't think about the temporary. Because the reality is we could go and cosmetic surgery is a perfect example where we, we don't like this, I'll change that. I don't like this, I'll change that. And now it's becoming more and more affordable. For for people to do a nose job, you know, to change your chin, to do lift your, do the facelift or whatever it is. Yeah. And what you're basically saying is, I have control over the universe. The universe is doing something, but I know better. So at every aspect, at what point do you go back and you actually say, you know what, the universe, I think you're, you know, you're actually the one in control. The more we look at Guru Nanak Dev Ji's Bani, the more we look at Guru Bani, like in Japji Sahib, Jorna Mangar, Jorna Jeevan Marna it's all about I have no power. Right. And the reality is we don't have any power. The delusion is that we can control everything. Mm -hmm. And the more Maya that we have in our life, the more we, we fall into that delusion. And Paji, when you say Maya is anything, and that was a really good example how you gave about the gym, because um, I look at it like a very narrow, like, it's very narrow for me, like I think Maya is mainly money, yeah, mainly money, but also attachment. So is attachment like what you've said, like attachment to the gym, or attachment to anything? So it could be attachment to certain foods, it could be attachment to, I don't know, like anything, it could be your car, it could be, is that, that's also then Maya too, Completely. correct? So I, I, this is why I said, I translate the word Maya to physical. 
okay. to material, anything that is material or physical matter, that's how I translate Maya. Um, and in that sense, absolutely anything is Maya. So for example, your love for your family, right. your parents, your spouse, your children, your love for them is completely Maya as well. And this is where we need to be looking at what Guru is saying and actually constantly reflecting on the fact that have I understood what the Guru is saying? And the Guru has time and time said and demonstrated that attachment to anything is going to hold you back. So Guru Gobind Singh is a perfect example of that, mm -hmm. that he allows his four sons to go into battle. Right. And the four sons are going into battle knowing that they're going to die. They know that they're not going to come back. So Guruji has given up everything. Guruji even gave his father and he said, Guru Tegh Bhadaji, off you go. You know, nobody is more spiritual than you, so you should be the one that goes and, uh, and becomes Shaheed when, 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 the, when the, um, the Mughals and, and the, uh, um, the fundamental Islamic uh, terrorists of those days were actually kind of killing lots of people. Guru Gobind Singh Ji gave his father away. So even at a really young age, we are shown that children have the ability to d detach themselves from the physical world and detach themselves from their parents. Now, are we teaching our children that this is Sikhi? Are we teaching our children, don't fall in love with every single birthday present that you get? Because this is something I teach my children on a daily basis, is think about your birthday presents. Every time you get a birthday present, you get really excited, I'm going to play with it. Six months later, where's that present? He's, oh, I've forgotten about it. And what you do is that you are now planning for the next birthday. You're thinking, well, yeah, that's old now. So what I'm showing them and I'm demonstrating to them is in your own life, you've seen that things that we, you were really excited about, you're now forgetting about. They now become irrelevant to you. And the same applies to adults. We do exactly the same thing with tablets and, and iPads and the latest iPhones and, and whatever it is, clothes, whatever it is, job, money. We do the same thing. We look forward to something. We get it, we get disappointed, and then we move on to something else. So we, we're in this constant cycle of Maya, and that's what Guru's constantly trying to get you out of, which is, don't you realize that the physical world can never give you lasting happiness? There's actually a, a deeper happiness that you can get from your spiritual practice. And then, Bhaji, one of the other concepts, Guru Nanak Dev Ji obviously you know, has mentioned, Girit Kamai. Now, what does that mean? I know, like, I'm, I'm probably, like, this probably sounds like a silly question because people probably think, well, we should know, we should know what that means, but Girit Kamai could mean many different things to many people. I think people often think about Girit Kamai as as honest way of earning money, um, which they simplify as to as long as I'm not cheating anyone, as long as I'm not stealing mm. to make my money, as long as I'm not a bank robber, I can do pretty much whatever I want. Mm. I think Girit Kamai is, is a lot more than that, and I think it's about ethical values. So it's your, the way in which you earn, and remember, earn doesn't have to be about money. Oh. You could be earning anything. How do you earn your respect from other people? How do you earn love of, of your family and, and your other members? Are you manipulating people to earn other people's respect? So I think it's, it's ethics on every single level in everything that you're doing. It's, it's an ethical way of living. So for me, Girt Kamai goes right down to um, whether you're buying organic produce or not. Okay. Because, I mean, you know, I think one of the stories that comes to my mind that, that I always remember is the story of um, uh, Bailaloji and Malik Pago. So you, everyone's come across the story about Guru Nanak Dev Ji squeezing the two rotis and one is, 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 is um, giving out milk and one yeah. is pouring out blood. Okay. I mean, I don't want to go into the story in detail, but you know, everyone can go and, and look that story up. And for me, that's 
a very clear statement of, of ethics. Mm -hmm. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is basically saying someone who is not exploiting anyone, their bread is the equivalent of milk. Remember in those days it's like mm -hmm. a very uh, a luxurious item to have like milk. Um, and, and squeezing the blood of, of, of Malik Bhago is saying basically your exploitation is, is equivalent to you squeezing out blood. Is blood coming out? You're squeezing the blood of those people. Now, what are we doing in today's world? So, when we're buying from our big supermarkets, we know, just by looking at the news, large supermarkets are doing terrible things for the livelihoods of farmers. They're not paying farmers enough money, and the huge supermarkets are tying farmers into a tiny contract, which means that they can't sell their produce to anyone else for any other price. So farmers are being done over just by getting into a contract with your big supermarkets. So should you be buying from those? Should you be buying your fruit and veg, which is covered in pesticides? So, you know, organic produce, I think, is a way. And let's look at the big manufacturers and the big clothes um, sellers, where, you know, when, when you see your clothes, when it says made in Bangladesh, made in India, made in China, what are the working conditions of those people? Now, you could obviously go crazy and spend your life like, researching every little thing, but I think it's about having a sense of values that says, if I call myself a Sikh, if I call myself a Khalsa, if I'm, if I'm here to represent the best way of a human being to live in the world, then it's got to impact in every single thing I do. To me, that's the definition of Kirtgamai. Yeah, do you know, I, I really like the way that you put that, because it's true, you've gone so deep into that, but it's easy to understand. It's, it's every day. Exactly. We can use it in our everyday life. And Baji, then what about things like living a simple life? So, for example, you know, should, should we be really content with what we have? So, you know, as a, in, a, in an ethical way, as you talked about organic food, for example, would it be ethical, I don't know, maybe I'm not asking it in the right way, but is it ethical then to be content with what you have and to not want more? You know, like sometimes we, we get into this, you know, thing of, well, but should we not really be happy with what we have but be living a simple life? I think there is no, we shouldn't be pushing this idea that um, living a poor life or living a simple life where we don't actually have any luxuries in our life is somehow more spiritual. You can have someone who doesn't have very much but they're still very egotistical. Mm -hmm. You can have someone who has a lot in their life and they just happen to be really successful in their business for example. Um, and so, you know, they happen to drive a nice car and they happen to have a big house or whatever. I don't think that is the sign of your inner state. And I think gurus are always interested in your inner state rather than your external display. So the guru is always trying to make you question is where is my mindset? So I think simplicity is do I have a simple mindset rather than a simple outward life? Okay. So in the same way, if you have a lot of money, are you attached to that money? Are you willing to let that go? If, for example, all of this was to disappear, would your emotional state still be stable? That's where, that's where spirituality, that's where Guru Nanak Dev Ji's message really kicks in, is that where is your, how are you going to react when all of this stuff disappears? Because that will. And I think that's a real reason why we shouldn't be going after a lot of Maya, is because the reality is that it's never really brought us permanent happiness. So how are you going to react when you get it? And how are you going to react when you lose it? Because those are guaranteed. Yeah. You will lose everything. 
Yeah, buddy, that's, thank you. But we've got less than, probably less than five minutes left. As always, time flies by so quickly. I just want to quickly touch on that question again earlier as we did in the first half. What do we do more? What can we do more to remember the teachings of Dan Dan Siri Guru Nanak Dev Ji and make them relevant to the world today? So, personally, this is something that, I, that I'm very passionate about, which is how do we make Guru Nanak Dev Ji's and Gurbani's message relevant to the world? Um, I strongly feel that we have to take Sikhi out of the Gurdwara. And I think we have to take it out of this religion box that we've put it into. And we have to talk about Sikhi like we have today, which is an absolute practical message for, for every single human being. Because I genuinely believe Guru Nanak Dev Ji wasn't trying to, to box a certain group of people and said, right, these are now Sikhs and those are Hindus and those are Muslims. I don't think he was trying to box people. If he was trying to do that, then he wouldn't have spent so much time traveling to the Muslims, to the Hindus, to Tibet and all of these sorts of places and teaching them as well because he had a message that was beyond religion so I think we need to take that message and stop talking about it as the Sikh message is this or the Sikh religion teaches that I think our guru teaches something which is beyond that so one of the things I've tried to do with Nanak Nam is to make it as relevant to all of humanity and I think we've somehow we, we've been successful in that and we've proved that obviously with the guru's grace like you know nothing happens without that but We've demonstrated that we can talk about concepts that are in Gurbani that are in a way that's just really practical in our day-to-day -day life and unfortunately I don't see enough of that's going on. So we should be able to talk to anyone from whatever country they're, they're coming from and talk about their values and their ethics and say, well, this is spirituality, this is real spirituality. So we need to find a way to take Sikhi out of the Gurdwara. And what I, I don't mean that that means that we go out to the world and we start telling people, this is who the Sikhs are, yeah. and start doing um, our own seva. Essentially, what, what we're doing is, well, this is who the Sikhs are, this is why we wear the 5Ks, this is what a turban means to us. I'm not interested in that at all. I think we should be talking about Sikh values and real, the real essence of, are you accepting hukum? You know, let's let's talk about how to control your anger. You know, we should be having Sikhs that are experts in calm, growth, lob, mohankar, and anger management and stress management. We should have Sikhs that are experts in that because we follow a guru that teaches us how to do that. But we're, when we talk about Sikhi, we're still talking about, well, we're the fifth largest religion in the world and the Sikhs, we feed a lot of people. We've become a food bank, you know, and, I, and one of the things that, that really impacts me is that whenever people talk about Sikhi, and certainly people externally, they talk about, oh, they have a gold temple and they feed thousands of people a day. That's really not what Gurbani is talking about. Yeah. We're not the food bank of the world. We are the spiritual food bank of the world. Stop feeding langar to everyone and start feeding people's minds. Oh, amazing. Thank you, Baji. And Baji, if anybody wants more details, because you're doing absolutely amazing, Seva, and I want the Sangat to be able to know where to go, to be able to support Nanak Nam even more, where can they go for more information? Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. Um, yes, so we have, a, a, we're all over social media, on Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube especially. So please go to Nanak Nam. Org and you can find us uh, online on Facebook and YouTube and we have tons of message and we tons of videos giving Guru's yeah. message uh, in English and trying to make it as relevant as possible so yes we'd love to see more people and we are a charity as well so we live off your donations so we, we do accept any donations that you can give us as well thank but, you so much thank you and I'd like to support that as well Sangaji. please make sure that you do check out Nanak Nam because Baji is doing some absolutely amazing seva so if you already don't know who they are you will do today and I'm sure that you'll be following them and getting involved with any of your feedback as well, please give that to Baji, but please make sure you support them. Baji, really quickly, are you going to be coming to the Sikh Art Exhibition today as well? I Good will be there today. Yep. I mean, I think for, for anyone who... Um 
isn't familiar with the artist's work, you will definitely have seen uh, their posters and you would have seen the painting everywhere. So do check it out. It is phenomenal artwork and, and I look forward to seeing a lot of people there today. Thank you, Bhaji. So, Sangaji, I hope you enjoyed um, with the interview today with Bhaji and I hope you look forward to having them back on in the future. Have a good week ahead. Happy Gurbab to you all and please make sure you do attend the exhibition today. Vaiguji ka khalsa, Vaiguji ki fateh.